This is Barrels and Barrels, a bourbon and baseball podcast with your hosts, Brandon Spinner and Michael Burns. Hello and welcome to Barrels and Barrels, a bourbon and baseball podcast. I am Brandon alongside one of my good buddies, Michael Burns. We are the co-host of your podcast. Before we jump into everything, I want to welcome those new listeners. We've got a lot of new subscribers on YouTube. I want to thank you for subscribing. Thank you for joining in. We are a podcast about bourbon, about baseball. Two good buddies who met in North Alabama. Now we are a couple hundred miles apart, but we still bond on our love of baseball and bourbon. High proof and high heat, baby. High yeah, proof that's and right. high we heat. talk high proof and high heat. Michael Burns, how you doing tonight, my man? I'm doing pretty good. I think that congestion phlegm that we've talked about, I think I talk about every episode. I'm either complaining about my sinuses <laughs> or about my shoulder. That's been that's been the MO lately. It's a common theme. Yeah. If there was a drinking game to our podcast, people would be hammered anytime they heard you say something about your shoulder or, or my sniffer. But um if you're, yeah. not, if you're not a Mitchell Mother fan, you know what I'm talking about. But, um... um well, you, uh, Michael how Burns... Are you doing so I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. Uh, I am ready for bourbon, ready for baseball, ready for baseball to be back. We are here on the All-Star break. This is All-Star break week. We are recording this podcast on July the 12th. This will drop on July the 13th. Still a day without baseball. Uh-huh. But... I get to go to Wrigley Field this weekend, and I am pumped because it's a Friday night game in the bleachers versus the Boston Red Sox. Let's go. How did how is it a Friday night game? I don't think the city of Chicago allowed that. Yeah, I think they only allow like five or six night events, at least through the aldermen and the city ordinance. And I think this is one of the five this year. I know they had a couple of concerts already this year. So uh, we'll see. I'm Let's just saying, I don't think I've ever been to a Friday night game at Wrigley. I think you're going to need a sweater. <laughs> I got to double it. This time I'm going to double check the forecast, and that's a call back to an episode a few weeks ago. Well, this is episode 33 of Barrels and Barrels. As we've started out the last 10, we start with the best number of our podcast episodes. So this is episode 33. So who is the best player to ever wear number 33? Usually, Michael doesn't do any homework on this one, but today he remembered. So Michael Burns, tell me. Your homework, all your thoughts, who'd you got? So I think there is uh, a player more of our of our time a little bit from ML- he our played generation. in MLB baseball two thousand one. Mm-hmm. Um he wore the uh the, the black and purple. Um he played with them for let's for one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten years in the black and purple. Hall of Famer, Larry Walker. Yeah, 10 years with the Rockies, six years with the Montreal Expos, and two years with the Dirty Birds of the St. Louis Cardinals. Uh, Hall of Famer, he just went in, what, was it 2020? Just very recently. Just very recently. Uh, Seven-time gold glover. He wore the number 33 for 17 years, all 17 years of his career. Uh, I think that there are a couple hidden gems here, though, within the number 33. Now, the first name that pops out is Larry because he's got the highest war. But I do want to throw out a couple other names. Uh, one name, uh, at least there are four 33s that are retired. Um, Larry Walker is one of them uh, by the Rockies. Honus Wagner is the other. Did you well, know I didn't that? see Honus Wagner in there. So he didn't play with a number, but when he was the head coach and manager of the Pirates, he wore 33. Back in his time, he didn't have 
jersey numbers. Oh, right. But I wonder if he would have been a 33 when he played because when he coached, that's what he wore, and his number 33 was retired by the Pirates back in the 50s. He was the first number retired, I believe. Um, so I think that that might be a decent one to look at. I mean, Honus Wagner, one of the bigger names out there from the early, early days of baseball, and uh, I know that rookie card is one that everybody seeks out. Yeah. The other two, um, I'm going to I'm gonna etch off Mike Scott from the Astros. He is also one of the numbers retired, but his year and career with the uh, Astros was, I mean, it was a decent career in uh, nine years with the Astros. He won uh, 110 games, 1,700 innings, but I'm not giving it to him. Eddie Murray's the other name that I think we need to consider with the Orioles, um, or at least that's who his number was retired by. He did play for the Dodgers, Mets, Guardian. Well, it's the Guardians franchise, but at the time it was the Indians, <laughs> the Dodgers, and then also the Anaheim Angels at the time as well. They weren't even the California Angels by that point. He's got 504 career home runs. Larry's, I think, in the 300s. So, And Larry played in Colorado. Larry did. He was... One of the first Colorado Rockians, isn't he? If that's 95, they were in 94. I believe so. I believe so. Yeah, I like. So, I, I can see where, uh, where Eddie Murray is a great candidate. Um, he has the second most war, but is also, but has one that wore in the jersey 33 more. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I, I can see where you're coming from there of, of that consideration. Um, I want to point out one player really that's on the list is Aaron Rowland. Um, I loved Aaron Rowland growing up. He, uh, I got a broken bat from him when at the, when he was playing here in Huntsville one time when he was on the Barons. He broke a bat oh, that's and awesome. slid it on top of the dugout to me. Uh, another name who wore it for a long time, didn't have a high war, but Jason Veritek, number 33, uh, big captain for the Boston Red Sox. I don't know, man. Eddie Murray is the 27th most home runs in Major League Baseball history. There's, tw- only, 28, oh, there's, only, there's only 28 people who have hit 500 home runs. He's one of the 28. Yeah, well, th- when you put it that way, there's 28 and he's number 27. That doesn't, For me, that doesn't help him there. <laughs> well, Larry Walker only had 383 home runs, so he's got 120-plus more home runs. I'm just uh, trying to make a case for Eddie Murray. Yeah. Um, I, how about his stolen base, Eddie Murray's stolen base numbers? What has he got? So Eddie Murray's stolen base, he had 110. But here's the thing. He hit 504 home runs. Out of his 21 years of his career, he had 20 years of double-digit home runs. So 10 or more? Ten or more. Okay, I mean, not That's impressive. Pretty impressive. Ten's not impressive to me, really. I okay, mean. but I, I, most of that is twenty plus. But, but there were. But here's the, here, here's the big thing I think out of all of this: Did Eddie okay. Murray appear in MLB Backyard Baseball? <laughs> <laughs> he did not. But Eddie Murray walked one thousand three hundred and thirty-three times. Larry Walker walked. And his last name's Walker, and he only walked 913. So about 400 more walks. He did strike out a few more times than Larry Walker. Batting average goes to Larry Walker. Uh, OPS goes to Larry Walker, mainly because he played in Colorado. Um, but uh, I, I think the it's a lot. The slugging's there. The slugging's definitely there. Uh, MVP candidates for either of them? Yes, Larry Walker in 1997. So I guess I have to lean Larry Walker because of the MVP status 
Eddie never won an MVP, although he was a multi-year All-Star, and he did win Rookie of the Year. So, just saying. MVP candidate multiple times. What, one, two, yeah. I mean, top five, one, two, three, four, five years in a row. Uh, Larry also had seven gold gloves to Eddie Murray's three. So I guess we'll go with Larry Walker on this one. I do think it's a lot closer, though, than the war says. And the war's only off by four. So. Right, right. So if maybe Larry would... It, 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 off by four. Let me get your face out of the way of my statistics here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> if Larry had more war, but um, he only played 17 years, too, compared to Eddie's 21. True. True. Well, that's years in the jersey, right? That's not years in that jersey, but he played 17 years in his career overall. So he had a shorter career, had a higher war, but also shorter career. Just saying. He's Canadian too. Eddie hey. Murray's a, a oh, American, oh, oh, so. uh, oh, oh, oh. You want to go Eddie Murray then? <laughs> uh, no, I love our Canadian friends, and we may have a couple Canadian listeners. So I think we're going to have to go Larry Walker, uh, even though. I think 15 years of his career are fine. The other two we can throw out, but uh, we won't talk about his final two years of his career um, with the Dirty Birds. So episode right, 33. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I, I can't blame him, right? He made probably a decent chunk of change going to St. Louis. But Larry Walker, episode 33 is the Larry Walker episode. So welcome in. As I mentioned, we are Barrels and Barrels, a bourbon and baseball podcast. Welcome if this is your first time joining us. Uh, we are honored for your listening and your watching. You can watch us on YouTube and our YouTube page really starting to expand. Last week, Michael, when we talked, we were at 333 subscribers. As we record this episode, we are at 395, a jump of 62 in the last six days. Huge jump. And something that I promised listeners and viewers a couple of weeks ago, uh, I was going to shout out people who followed us or subscribed on YouTube. So bear with me here. All right. Hold and you on. may want to just fast forward if you're a, uh, a listener on Spotify or po Apple Podcasts. We'll get to it later. I want to shout out Christopher Ellis, DB Eelby. We also have The Winds One. Uh, also, Dusty Wright, Ryan Smith. Smith, S-M-I-F-F, -F. Jamie oh. Meisel, I hope I said your name right, Masfino, Fortnite Kid, Andrew Amadeo, we also have Ben, all it says is Ben, <laughs> Big T, 2A Shooter, Hannah Shooter. Chanel, Ray Kramer, Salsky 70 Simon Beck, The, phenom the Phenomenal K-Dub, Pray for These Nuts. <laughs> <laughs> I'm reading these right off the cuff. Ray Bennett, Bennett, Christy Perez, Justin Redding, or Reading. I'm guessing it's Reading, but it's Redding here in Cincinnati. Ray Cherba, Kay Wallander, Missy V2663, XL Garcia, Bob H, and Brian HMIDAN. And Bear Pitts, also the last one. And if I didn't say your name and you subscribe to us, it's because you're private listed on youtube and it doesn't tell us that you subscribe to us but i just listed off a lot of names what i'm telling you is we want to thank you for joining thank you for listening we appreciate that you have chosen to follow us and to subscribe to us so hats off and to join us for the fun and for the grams 
yeah, fun, the drams, the baseball talk, and we're going to dive into those drams here in a second. So subscribe to us on YouTube if you haven't done that already. We're putting out exclusive content there weekly, one or two separate videos every week. So go join us there. Barrels and Barrels on YouTube, uh, Barrels and Barrels Pod on YouTube. And then we are also on Instagram at Barrels and Barrels Pod, Facebook at Barrels and Barrels Pod, TikTok at Barrels and Barrels Pod, and Twitter at Barrels and Barrels barrels as far as our podcasts you can find those on apple spotify amazon stitcher while they're still around google and iHeartRadio podcasts and don't forget to please subscribe to us there also rate us and review us we would love to hear your thoughts we have i believe 12 different reviews on apple we've got 20 out of 20 five-star rankings and 13 out of 13 five-star rankings on Spotify. So a big shout-out to all of you who have rated and reviewed us. Thank you so much. Last thing to touch on here with the old uh, intro. Well, we've got glassware that we're going to be getting out for sale here soon. So head on into our Instagram account or our Linktree, Barrels and Barrels Pod on Linktree. We have a little Google Sheets or Google Forms there to fill out. If you would like a Glencairn, if you would like a Wisdom whiskey glass that I'm holding right here on YouTube, uh, or we've got T-shirts for sale through that link as well. Shout out to our friends, Charlie Mike Never Weekend. You can get our shirts on charliemikeneverweekend.com. 25 bucks shipped right to your door. So thank you so much for all of you who have worn our shirts, sported them. Very comfy. Very, yes, very comfy. I, I love seeing, I love seeing uh, people share Wearing, the, yeah. wearing our shirt. That's the coolest thing. And if you have our shirt, send a picture of you wearing it. We'd love to see it, and we'd love to repost it. And at some point, we'll probably put it in a big old post on Instagram. But without further ado, this is Bourbon and Baseball. We're talking whiskey this week. We're not talking bourbon because this week's whiskey of the week is Claremont Steep. This is a American single malt whiskey out of James B. Distilling Company. Or, excuse me, James B. Beam distilling company go. which is jim beam uh this is freddie knows baby basically freddie knows is the eighth generational distiller for jim beam mm-hmm. uh, all part of the whole family uh he is the son of fred and the grandson of booker no who you may know as the, the inventor of bookers uh or that's why they have bookers so claremont steep it comes in 100 percent malted barley because it's an American single malt whiskey. Single malt. Michael, this is 94 proof. All right. Five years. MSRP, 59.99. So what's that? That's that's about the 10, or hits about the 10 buck a year? About 10 bucks a year, maybe a little bit more. It's the very first single malt, American single malt, coming from James B. Distilling Company. So mm-hmm. this is their first one out there. They're one of the bigger companies that have dipped their toe into the American single malt uh, game because it's relatively new to the game, right? In the last year and a half or so, we started to see a lot more of these pop up. Jack Daniels did one last year, but between Jack and Beam, those are really the two biggest distilleries that have thrown out an American single malt. I've had a decent amount of this already. Uh, I've shared this with you. That's about it so far, and I'm excited to dive into this and hear what your thoughts are. Uh, again, this is called Claremont Steep, and it gets its name in a very special way. So Claremont, Kentucky is the home of Jim Beam. That's where you can go find the Jim Beam distillery. So mm-hmm. that's where the Claremont comes from. Steep 
is part of the process of making malted barley. The first step of the process is steeping the barley, which is soaking it in a liquid. Uh, I won't get too deep into the weeds or too deep into the grains on that one, uh, but you uh -huh. steep the malted barley in a, and they, they also go with the, it's steeped in family tradition, right? right. If you think about the Jim Beam family, it's a family tradition. So steeping through the family tradition. Right. So they, it's, I'm reading some notes about the steeping. Um, they use in the family more of what I was getting off to. They use the same you family. You getting off to it? <laughs> Explicit. <laughs> Explicit. <laughs> they use the same family yeast strain for the Clearmont steep as they do for their bourbons. Yeah, that special... The special yeast. Yeah, so this might be a single malt, but it still has a mash bill consisting of 20% Vienna malt and 80% of their of their standard distiller malt that mm -hmm. they use for all the bourbon. And it's heirloom jug yeast, which is what they uh, use <laughs> what? in there. For... Heirloom jug yeast is jug the name yeast. of the yeast. Yep, yep. Uh, <laughs> um, another thing I noted is Freddie tasted and tested 67 different strands and varieties of barley to find the perfect one for the mash bill and fermenting it with that family jug yeast. Uh, so he said this finally passes the Beam name and the Beam legacy. So what are your first thoughts after you poured it? I know we've talked early before in the past with uh, Tyler over at Stranahan's that 94 proof is about the the perfect proof golden um, proof yeah the golden proof among whiskey uh folks and i'm, I'm proud i bet you that that's probably why this is coming in at 94 proof right off the nose man it's i get some grain but it's also very sweet to me yeah i i definitely am hit with i mean it is a single malt but i'm i'm the nose for me is grainy um it's it's a light sweetness. There, it's not heavy sugary at all. Um, more mellow floral. Do you agree with that? I got a little floral. Um, what I was actually really pulling sure. is like a caramel cornflake. Caramel like cornflake, like cornflakes, like, like frosted flakes. Cornflakes, this cereal, yeah, but like with caramel mixed in. Yeah, I'm. I get the cornflake. I don't get the caramel from it at all. On the nose, I don't get. I, I just get that light, light sweetness that's coming off the grain. But that's that's about it that I'm pulling. It's just heavy grain and almost like a like a cooking oil kind of smell. I did want to shout out to Bourbon and Bogies, one of our go. guys on Instagram. I joined his front nine uh, whiskey blind samples. Uh, haven't popped oh, cool. into him yet. But uh, this wisdom glass comes with it, and this is what we were talking about earlier with the potential to buy some glassware. Uh, oh, wisdom wow. glasses are really nice. So what do you think? I saw you just take a sip, and that's, I heard an oh, wow. That sip's very different than it smells. Mm -hmm. Now I get those floral notes, the sweetness. It doesn't taste as grainy as it smells. When I was smelling this mm -hmm. thing, I was... Uh, ready to be disappointed in the palate <laughs> and i'm surprisingly not disappointed as as i took that it was just the first sip and i got mm -hmm. that sweetness tasted pretty good i was expecting it to be very uh peaty yeah so it's not peaty because it is charred in a different type of barrel right 
So right. when most people think single malts, there's multiple different ways to have a single malt. Like scotch, there's peated scotch, and then there's also scotch that doesn't have much peat in it. Here in the uh, America and into the U.S., uh, we've been seeing a lot more just regular barrels. This is actually charred, or it's a toasted barrel first, and then quickly charred to a char one. And uh, from what I was reading, they're matured in bespoke barrels. I was trying to dig more into that. I think just bespoke barrels is just like your own type of barrel, like putting your own spin on it rather than a actual conglomerate. I've got to do more research on that. That's what bespoke means? I believe so. Like to have a bespoke barrel, you can choose whatever you want. You may want to toast it this way and then char it at this rate or do something different with the barrel than just the average um, general stock barrel that someone would buy, right? Like right. these companies that sell the barrels. So, and you can do that because it's a whiskey. It's not a bourbon where bourbon has to be a new American. Brand new charred oak barrel. Right. Yep. I did see that um, being that, Usually American whiskeys doesn't have it doesn't have to be in new barrels. It can be in used ones and typically it is used in a used barrel. Uh, I guess there's a way of some a way to get a secondary use out of it. Mm-hmm. But uh Jim Beam does not use used barrels to be more mm-hmm. consistent. They do use still new barrels. What what you think on that palette? A very sweet. I still have like a cereally um uh-huh. to it now. almost but the cereal i get out of this is more so like fruity pebbles or fruit loops Ooh, let me dive in like, to get some of that hold on like it's more of a sweet fruity cereal than like the cornflakes i got on the nose like we were talking about the nose has more of a grain to it and then as you dive into the palate i've got like a, a hit of caramel it's i mean obviously it's just single malt, so it's all malted barley. But it's I, I pull some corn. I get some of the char from the barrel, even though it's a char one rather than a char three, four, or five like you would normally get from a lot of these bourbons or whiskeys. I really enjoy this. I mean, yeah, I'm surprised. There, it's I hate using the word smooth, but it's smooth all around. Like there's no bite, there's no kick. Sometimes you're looking for that. Sometimes you're looking to have a little more heat. I don't think that this is dull by any means i yeah i don't think it's i don't think it's dull i think the kick that you might taste a little bit is that grain Mm -hmm. is that malted barley taste there's no rye spice to this it doesn't bite at 94 proof it definitely doesn't drink like syrupy like a like a 94 proof like a low proofer like you know we're we're all about 110 plus you Mm -hmm. know and uh obviously it's a lighter color because it's not in as high of a char of the barrel, right? Uh, but still, for the small amount of color, there's a lot of flavor to this. Very similar it, to Scotch, right? How's it finished for you? Does it linger pretty well, or does it? I'm still getting hints of that cereal and that caramel. I'm even getting some of that beam nuttiness on the back end. It's not overly nutty, but I do get a hint of that beam uh, general. You know, like the classic beam nut. Uh, that you would get in some of the regular whiskeys. So oh, I'm going to jump right into it. I think that this is an everyday player. I would go to this multiple times. Uh, I will be now. I was trying to save it, so I didn't <laughs> have no left when we came for our uh, our review. But I'm going right out there. I'm going to say this is an everyday player for me. Very so, delicious. Do when we when we are categorizing our our reviews here, 
Do we think of, okay, comparing this to all American whiskeys, to all, or do we say everything, it doesn't matter. It's just how we like it in general. I think how we like it for me, like when I think about it in a baseball sense, and that's how our rating scale is, right? It's based off of baseball players or baseball levels, Hall of Fame, All-Star, Everyday Player, and then we're going bench and DFA, right? I would think of bourbon, scotch, rye, American single malt as the different nationalities of players, right? Like there's Cuban players, there are Dominicans, there's Americans. We've got players who come from Europe, players who come from Japan, right? But they all play the same game. So when we, I'm rating it, I'm rating it on the same game, the same playing field, but it's just bringing its own different thing. The di- or the, the different positions. You got third baseman, you got second baseman, shortstop pitchers. Right. That's what I thought you were going to go first. That's oh, why no. I just, that's, yeah. that's why I brought <laughs> Okay. So different yeah. Countries. Yeah. Right. Like, <laughs> so if you think about it, a scotch is from Scotland. It'd be it like is. A You're right. Running from Scotland to come play uh, in the Americas, uh, whether that's in the Dominican, into Cuba. You've got Cubans coming over. You've got Dominicans. You've got the uh, Puerto Ricans. You've even got some Mexican born players. You've got players out in Australia. I mean, even Italy, I'm, most of those are born in America, but still what I'm saying is when I'm rating this, I'm rating this on the same playing field because theoretically that's how we rate our ball players, right? We don't say that this player is a hall of famer because he's from Japan and we rate him against all the other Japan players. Right. We look We're at rating him against everybody. So I'm going to say amongst all my whiskeys, this is an everyday player. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, I th- and like we when we talked to him, uh, Mashing Grain, who kind of says, you know, the American whiskey is making its way out into the world right now. And we see it right here with a major distillery and Beam putting one out. Um, I, I think I'm I'm missing a piece to make that an everyday player for me. It's definitely close, but I'm going to go with Bench. Um, bench I miss a little bit. Uh, on the finish side, I think it, it it grains out for me a little bit. Grains it, out. Yeah, I think it had a little bit of a floral, or uh, it's not going to be oaky. I don't think it, it, you know, I can't say I'm asking for a little bit more oak, uh, but a little well, more it can floral have some oak because it's finished in an oak barrel, right? But it's just not charred as much as you would normally get, right? So this is uh, this, this was close to an everyday player for me. Um, if we were, if we categorized it a certain way it might have been everyday player as a as an american whiskey this is one of the better ones i've tasted for sure um, i was definitely yeah. blown away by the palate the nose scared me when i sniffed yeah. this thing brandon i was ready to call him into my office privately already <laughs> just by the nose like, you're not even making the the bus right <laughs> you need to go you get to find the plane but for those of you just joining us we wait rate our whiskeys on a baseball rating scale if you haven't got the gist already we rate it from the top of the top hall of fame best of the best right only one percent of the players make the hall of fame the next is all-star we just had the all-star game that's what we should have do we kind of missed the boat on that we should have just listed all of our all-stars for all-star week that we've already rated son Man. of a yeah. Gosh darn it to heck. Uh, the next is everyday player. That's what I rated it. It's a player that's always in your lineup. Every day you can count on him. And that's a bottle that you can always count to have on your shelf. And then next is bench, which Michael rated. Not a knock by any means. You have very good bench players who come in in a clutch. Think of David Bodie hitting a grand slam to walk it off back in 2019, right? Almost that is a bench player who came through big moments. And when you need them, they're there, but maybe they don't perform all the time. And then finally, Michael was talking about DFA, designate for assignment. That means you're cut from the team. We're going to call you Gary Sanchez. Get out of here. 
<laughs> and we're 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 almost coming up with another level that we uh that I want to go off of a whiskey bonded. He uh got, didn't even buy a bottle of something. He just said he got <laughs> such bad reviews. He didn't buy it. And, uh, undrafted. <laughs> yes, undrafted. We're getting pretty close to having one of those that we don't even go there. Um, that'll be one of the quickest episodes ever. Yeah, whiskey bonded. I think he did that with what Booker's twenty three oh two. Mm-hmm. The Apprentice Batch, I believe. You could check out his reel, uh, Whiskey Bonded, on Instagram. I think he's also here on YouTube as well. So that was the rating portion of our Barrels and Barrels of Bourbon and Baseball podcast. We're going to Claremont Steep. I would say I don't think this is a bad buy at 60 bucks. If you see it, grab it. Now they've become more widely available. I saw it at my Costco the other day for fifty two ninety nine or something like that. So if you see it at that price... Grab it up. It's a very, it's a good introductory American single malt, right? If you're trying to get into that game, you maybe maybe don't know what's going on because it's I, a relatively new designation. Yeah, I like to think of American whiskey as a way that bourbon uh, bourbon aficionados alike and Scotch aficionados alike can enjoy something together. That's the way I kind of think of an American single malt a little bit. It's got the best of both worlds both. a little, or the, a little bit of a little bit of bourbon. A little bit of mm-hmm. scotch and then nice little hug and a glass and a Glencairn. Well, that one dude, Ryan, our guy, Ryan Mills, he's called 2023 the year of the American single malt. And I would not disagree with him because we're seeing a lot more of this good stuff coming out. Claremont Steep. And we're going to have another episode coming out here soon with some more American single malt, or at least a blend with American single malt. Our guys over at American Mash and Grain doing some great stuff. So be on the lookout for that episode here within the next week or two. So we are a bourbon and baseball podcast. Real quick, before we dive into the baseball portion, I want to talk about my weekend last week in Louisville. Uh, I do want to say if anybody's walking in Louisville and you see a liver laying around, probably mine. So uh, I will let you know that. Yeah, my liver. I left that somewhere uh, downtown. I don't know, probably between uh, the Brown Hotel and the Hilton Regency. Somewhere between there. I don't know. I think it may be at the Bar Meta downtown in Louisville. Sources say. I don't know. Just follow the smell of bourbon. (laughs) I drank from 10 a.m. to 1 a.m. Oh. (laughs) It was 15 hours of alcohol. But you were just mouth dry. You need some of that, you know. (laughs) Dry mouth toothpaste the next morning. Yeah, but uh, I went with the Spirit Animal Society. We did a blue run pick, um, so be on the lookout for that. Spirit oh, cool. Animal Society. I can't speak highly enough of what Brett, Abby, and Nick, um, that is Saxy Bourbon, uh, Lost Nemo, and Amongst the Whiskey. Uh, that's the group they put together two years ago. It was the two-year anniversary, the two-year birthday of Spirit Animal Society. Met some amazing folks. Had an amazing time. It was... A blast. Yeah, it looks so. like you guys had a, a good group there together. And from the snaps I got from you of walking through Louisville. Did I send some Snapchats? <laughs> oh, I know. I sent you pictures of walking downtown. That was before I was drunk. I was like, was I Snapchatting at 2 o'clock in the morning? <laughs> uh, but yeah, so Louisville Slugger Museum. So Michael and I are going to have to make a trip up there. The Louisville Bats play there. We ran into Michters real quick. We're going to repeat, repeat that for those of you. Yeah. Oh, my God. Michael said it right. Mark the tape. 33 minutes and 47 seconds. Michael said Michter's correctly. Uh, I have it written on my hand. Jumped in, jumped into Buzzard's Roost, their new storefront, uh, their tasting room, which has only been up, open for a couple of weeks. Good stuff oh, wow. from Buzzard's Roost. I'm going to have to 
buy a bottle of that when I see it next and send you some because it's delicious and I know it's not available in Alabama. But a very, very enjoyable trip down to Louisville, Louisville for the first Whoa. time. I've never oh. been. I've never been. But uh, it was fun. And we're going to have to make a show trip. And I think we do have a lot of listeners who were there. Uh, Bourbon at Tiffany's and her wife. I didn't get to meet her wife, Joanna, but I got to meet Tiffany. You can check her out. Bourbon at Tiffany's, just like breakfast at Tiffany's, but Bourbon at Tiffany's. And I Very said, clever. what about Bourbon at Tiffany's? Hung out with single barrel snob Tim uh, out at Justin's House of Bourbon. So really cool stuff. If you get a chance, go jump in. Go say hi. Uh, I know JP and Mike, who is Proof in the Bottle and Whiskey and Sunshine, they're going to be there this weekend. I may try to swing by and see them, but I don't know if I'm going to make it. But uh, enjoy it, lots of doom, and, Lots of doom, Louisville, too. Lots, yeah, of, lots, lots to of distilleries, baseball, more baseball. I didn't realize it. It looked downtown Louisville looked nice. Have you walking in the streets? Those snaps you sent me. It looked really nice. Yeah, it, and it was a beautiful day. It was hot. It was hot. And a uh, big shout out to Trey, um, who's just whiskey on Instagram. I've been just throwing out Instagram handles here. Uh, go follow those people. Trey is one of the ambassadors and one of the brand curators for Blue Run. He's the one who ran the event. Uh, that's my Blue Run glass right behind me. Uh, but he Ooh. paid for lunch out at Merle's. So a uh, big, big, awesome day, awesome weekend in Ghost Beard Animal Society. It's, it's always fun. Bourbon folks get together and, uh, and, and so here's the share best. grams. So here's the best part. There were 20 of us, what you would call, what, whiskey influencers or content creators, right? <laughs> that's, that's what people call people on Instagram nowadays, right? Influencers, right. content creators. There were 20 of us in the room. Uh, Go read Saxy Bourbon's post. He said he looked around, and for a good 20 minutes, nobody pulled out their phone. We were all just talking, drinking, and having a good time with each other in the moment. And that's what I love about this community. And that's what made the day so fun, right? We weren't like, oh, my God, we got to make this. We gotta it was make like that. the 90s. <laughs> it was like the 90s. Uh, we still had our phones. We still took pictures. Don't get me wrong. There's plenty of proof and evidence. But uh, there was a lot of fun being had. And if you haven't joined the Spirit Animal Society... Um, you don't have to pay. I mean, you can pay. You can pay Patreon, but uh, I'm not. I'm a tiger. You just pick your animal and you put it in your profile. Yeah, we can get down That's into the uh, sexiness of that later in the episode, Michael. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> let's move forward into the baseball portion of Barrels and Barrels, of bourbon and baseball podcast. We're going to go into trivia. That's how we split up these episodes from bourbon to baseball. And this week's trivia question revolves around the team that we've talked a lot about, the Atlanta Braves. So they're on pace for 300. Sorry. No, you're good. I want to let you. <laughs> our, our Braves fans will enjoy that. Uh, oh, uh, there you go. It's always uh, electric whenever that goes on them. at the stadium. It is. And they turn the lights off and start to flicker. Uh, I've only seen the Cubs play there, though. So I don't like at that point in the game when they start doing it. Uh, the Cubs so, never do well in Atlanta. Never do well. It's. I've gone to three games there. Cubs, Braves, and their 0-3. So yeah. the Braves are on pace for 308 home runs as a team. That would be the MLB record. Who holds the MLB record and with how many home runs? I feel like this just happened recently because of the juiced ball era. Most home runs in a season. I will give you that. It is recent. Do you know the year? It's it's not the it's not like the steroid air. That's a different juice nope. ball. 
I heard different conversations. <laughs> that was juice people. <laughs> that was juice people. This is the juice ball era. Right. No, I don't know. I, okay, I, I'll give you a I'm clue. It was 2019. Around. It was 2019. So there's a clue. Now, what team was it and how many? If 308 is the current trend for the new record. Trend, yeah. Uh, 308 is the Braves pace, yes. I've, I'm I'm bouncing. I'm going from the Cubs in 19 for some reason with Bryant, Rizzo, Baez, Bodie. Um, bouncing and just saying it's the Braves already. They set the record. I'm thinking for some reason the Dodgers. I, I, I'm bouncing everywhere. I have no clue. Just make a guess and we'll move on and give me let's, a number. Let's go with 2019 it was you said you gave me the year Mm -hmm. yep it was the boston red sox at 288 home runs the record is 307 so the braves are on pace to beat that by one one. and it was the minnesota twins what who was on that team nelson cruz Nelson Cruz with 41, Max Kepler with 36, you had Eddie Rosario with 32, Miguel Sano 34, Jorge Polanco 22, Jonathan Scope at 23, CJ Crone at 25, Mitch Garver at catcher at 31, and Byron Buxton had 10 because they only played 87 games. But on the bench, you had Marwin Gonzalez with 15, Jason Castro with 13. Your catching position hit 44 home runs in the juice ball era. I mean, I'm you listed off that. like five guys with 30-plus home runs there. Yeah. and <laughs> Five guys, and then the entire starting lineup had 20-plus or more except Byron Buxton because he only played half the game. So he would have had a pace of basically 20 home runs. He was on the IL for most of that. Yes. Was it the IL then or was it the DL then? I think it was the DL at that point. Yeah, so we could I could have gotten away with that one. But that has been our trivia question. The Minnesota Twins, 2019, 307 home runs. So we were just talking about home runs, uh, and this week is All-Star Week. So we had the Home Run Derby on Monday. That was the kickoff of All-Star Week. Well, actually, the draft was the kickoff of All-Star Week after the Futures game. But for the Major League after players... Kickoff after the Futures game and the Home Run Derby. <laughs> and then we kicked the, off uh, the All-Star break with the Home Run Derby. And there was also the celebrity softball game mixed in there as well. So there were three other events before the Home Run Derby, but the Home Run Derby was the kickoff of MLB All-Star Week. The other stuff was all minor league stuff, and we'll get to that here maybe later on. Minor league, minor league. So Vlad Jr. wins. Amazing performance. Comes back. Uh, He's the only father and son duo to actually win the Home Run Derby. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I didn't That's know pretty that. sweet. I'm trying to think of who else would have done it, um, but like, Sammy Sosa didn't have a child, right? And Ken Griffey Jr.'s dad didn't. I don't think that they uh, they had it back then, but I don't think it was as popular, and I don't think he really did it. I bet Fernando Tatis Sr. hasn't won it either. No, he didn't participate. Uh, no, but he had, did hit two grand slams in the same inning. He's but chilling. he always seemed to. <laughs> he always <laughs> seemed to come back. <laughs> but uh, so. I didn't get a chance to watch the entire Derby. I did watch snippets here and there. What were your main takeaways from the Derby? So my pick was Luis Robert Jr. <laughs> Who and hurt himself. Yes. I traded for him in fantasy, so I kind of went with my own guy. He was the number one seed. and Only because he had the most home runs. They seeded by the most home runs. Right, but I mean, that's still... Oh, hey, you know True. what I, I had, but... 
again, yes, like you said, hurt his calf. That that better just be more of a like uh, kind of like an excuse why he sucked it up the rest of the home run derby, or if it, mm-hmm. hey, it did just bother him from swinging too much, putting that kind of you know exertion that quickly. Because I noticed too that they got rid of the rule. I don't know if this is the first year that they got rid of the rule. You used to have to wait for the ball to hit the ground before the next pitch. And this right. time, it was rapid fire. Like, as soon as you could swing it, the pitch was coming. And I think that caused for a more dangerous home run derby for those kids in the outfield. <laughs> yes. The kid got murked. Dude took one off. Was that 110 mile per hour line drive off the face? Uh, I think off the bat it was 110, and I think they stat, stat cast off the off the skull was 100 miles per hour. Oh, they did a stat cast off the skull. I, I don't think they actually did, but I think they that they said it, when it hit him, it was 100 miles per hour. I mean, the kid saw at least he saw it coming. The glove was up. Oh, I mean, he totally missed it. Yes, he totally missed it. I'm trying not to laugh, but like the first thing I saw when I opened Twitter was this kid just getting murked in Don't. the forehead. Um, and I he mean, went down. I'm, it's hard to laugh at. Like, th- do you think it's time for kids to be off the field? If at, if that's that going to be the rules, at that point, it's too right. fast. By the time the one ball lands, another line drive could be coming, and you're not. Looking. Well, you heard you heard the ball get hit him and then i thought that was well so you see the ball get hit and they show where it's gonna land and you see the kid get hit but at the same time you hear the crack of the bat again and i thought that was his skull at first and then they did a side by side of the batter at the time swinging was that a rosarino or was that i was just about to ask you i think it was i don't know i thought it was vlad or was it i think it was vlad i I don't think it was alonzo the video i saw was alonzo but that also was a different home run derby i think a different kid got hurt and the I video Maybe I made it's of, time for kids. The video I made was with uh, a Rosarena. Or was it yeah. J-Rod? It was J-Rod. It was J-Rod because J-Rod broke the record for home runs in a round at 41. He destroyed Pete Alonso. Um, 41 home runs. But I also think that that also probably tanked him for the next round. He only lost by one to Vlad, but Vlad only needed one, right? I think Vlad hit second. Yes. So he only needed the one extra to beat him. I think that if Julio didn't hit 41, maybe he only hit 25 in the first round, he, he would, would have, have had a little more juice, uh, energy and juice to make it through. Uh, but Julio Rodriguez with 61 total home runs. Vlad Jr. Uh, coming in at 72. There was the most home runs ever hit in a home run derby, which is insane. 300 plus. Um, and a great final. I mean, Randy Orozarena and Vlad Jr., 25-23. So it came right down to the wire. Uh, I love Randy. I love watching him. He really made a name in 2020 in the COVID season, in the sure playoffs, did. in the World Series. But uh, he's continued to just be – he makes baseball fun to watch. And that's what I loved about all of this. Every one of these players is almost different than what you would normally see in the home run derby. Of course, last year we had Julio. In the home run derby, he was runner-up to uh, Soto, but he's a young guy. This is his second year. The only one who's basically like the old hat would be Pete Alonzo. He's still young. Mookie Betts, I guess, is the old hat too, but has he ever done the home run derby before? This is his first one? Uh, I feel like he usually does not do it. Um, right, and he only hit 11, so whoops. But but th- there was the – speaking of Randy Rosarana, he was a formal cardinal – 
that got traded away to the Rays. And someone had tweeted out the all Cardinal team had they not made if they right now didn't make those trades, they would have Sandy a Rosarena, yeah, Sandy Alcantara, Zach Allen, and then they'd have the oh, likes right. Zach Allen. Um, they'd have the likes. Well, Zach of, Allen was on the Marlins at one point too, right? Right, right. I think he went. Did he was he part of that trade? Now I got uh, I think he Zach, was he part trade of from, the Alcantara trade. That's what I'm wondering. So. The Cardinals traded Gallon to the Marlins. That mm-hmm. trade was for Marcelo Zuna. <laughs> Ozuna from the Braves. Ozuna from the Braves. So it was Zach Gallon and Sandy Alcantara for Marcelo Zuna from the Braves. Thank you, whoever the GM was at that point. Thank you, thank you. So Who did they, the Marlins trade Gallon for, though? The Marlins then flipped... Um, Marzuna was later flipped to the Diamondbacks. Or I'm sorry, Gallon was later flipped to yeah. the Diamondbacks for Jazz Chisholm Jr. Oh, okay. Well, that's a. I mean, Jazz has been hurt this year, but in the last year. couple of years, yeah. But the last couple of years, he had been a pretty decent name and a pretty. High he's on the cover of MLB the, the Show. Right. So he's obviously doing something. Overrated. So I would have said that was a fair trade until this year. Yeah, Zach Gallon. Zach Gallon putting on a show this year. He's really uh. Going for that gold jacket. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so th- this week's All-Star Week, we talked about the home run derby. Uh, of course, Vlad, we talked about winning it. Randy Rosarena, Julio put on a show. And then Luis Robert got hurt. Uh, Adley Rushman still had a pretty decent showing in the ace spot. And then uh, also Adelise Garcia. Did you see his pitcher? <laughs> I've seen memes all over Twitter. His, his yes. pitcher <laughs> it was like 50 cent. Uh, it was like all the bad first pitches just everywhere my favorite was they did like an overlay of all his different pitches like he was throwing like a slider cutter all that like he was supposed to be like trying to strike him out they did an overlay of all the different pitches (laughs) oh poor Adelise but uh, so that was the home run derby that was Monday night on Tuesday we had the MLB all-star game Uh, of course that was one that NL fans had not liked for the last decade but finally for the first time in a for decade. For the first time in forever. Okay, right. You got to stop it right there because we don't want to get caught and flagged by Disney for overusing their audio. Uh, I think it's a max of eight seconds for Disney. So we've got a max of four seconds left of Disney content through oh, the rest combined? of this episode. Yeah, no. I think it's eight seconds combined. You know what you can do in eight seconds, Michael? <laughs> don't, you can get don't. sued. but uh so the nl wins three to two uh but it comes from the most unlikely hero of them all the first time all-star 32 year old elias diaz elias diaz who catcher from the rockies who i I think is the only guy from the team who made the team right because they have to have a, a representative from each team right i loved uh they interviewed him after the dog it was a it was a bomb i mean i know it barely went over but the dude smashed it and they oh, interviewed he crushed it he they interviewed him in the dugout like did you know did you could you could, did you see the pitch could you tell what it was and he was like splitter saw it <laughs> <laughs> so for elias diaz this year 
He's an all-star, batting 277. Not terrible. Nine home runs, 27 runs, 45 RBIs. His OPS is 763. And he was the guy who won the all-star game. So in 20 years from now, kids, uh, <laughs> there is a all-star game trivia question. <laughs> who hit the game-winning home run in 2023? Uh, his career OPS is 80, or OPS plus is 82. He is having a career year. I will give him that. His is he? career overall OPS is 693 and he's hitting 763 this year but that is the most I wonder what the odds they had to be like 100 to 1 for him to be the MVP of that right no no chance um uh I know Elias Diaz is usually a home run hitter for catchers the category of catchers a little bit like I say I'm I'm back that up a little bit he's not like a top five home run hitter but he's usually a good source of home runs maybe it's because he's in Colorado but Anyways. He's got 51 career home runs in nine years. So, so, yeah, okay. Years between the Pirates and the Colorado Rockies. He's been in the league for nine years, 51 home runs. He's got years of 18 home runs and 10 home runs. This year he's already got nine. So, like I said, a career year. This would be his third highest OPS. But if you were a Diaz yesterday, you had a pretty good day. Because not only did he hit a home run, Yandy Diaz from the Rays hit a home run. Right. And that was that was Yandy's like first home run since May. That's his second home run since May. So he's only hit one in the month of June. And he was hitting real hot in the month of May. Wasn't right. he hitting them left and right? Right. He was looking like that finally they'd found the Yandy Diaz. He'd started elevating the ball a little bit more and uh, kind of fell off as the as kind of as the the Rays did a little bit for the month of June. Yeah. And my favorite part of the All-Star game is we get to experience things that we normally don't get to see during games. Uh, they don't normally interview players on the field during a game. And in the first inning was like some of the funnest content like right off the bat. So they had Mookie Betts mic'd up. They had Freddie Freeman mic'd up at the same time. And they were also all conversating with John Smoltz. They were talking with um, – uh, Joe Davis, who was in the booth, and they were asking him about Shohei at the play. And Mookie's like, I didn't realize this guy was as fast as he is. And Mookie's <laughs> like, I'm in unfamiliar territory because he was playing center field. And I think he'd only played right field, left field, second and shortstop this year. And he's like, I'm not used to playing center field. And then they were talking to Freddie, and Freddie got robbed by a Rosa Reina in the first inning. Yeah. So Adelise made an amazing catch. Then Randy made an amazing catch on like back-to-back at-bats. So then a Rosa Reina got a base hit. Did you hear what Freddie said to him? Because Freddie's standing at first base. So Freddie's standing at first base, and a Rosarana comes by, and he goes, hey, hey, that's not allowed, man. You can only take away hits, or you can only get hits. You can't do both. <laughs> <laughs> and a Rosarana's standing there with his arms crossed. His his his, uh, his his image, you know? Yeah, his pimp daddy image. That's what mm-hmm. I'm going to call it, the Randy Rosarana pimp daddy. But and it was fun. Um, and I love seeing our game on that stage. Unfortunately, I couldn't watch the whole thing because of streaming rights. I could only watch 20 minutes on Fox app. And what did you think of the jerseys? Did you like the jerseys? That's this another year? thing. No, 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 no. They need to go back to wearing your old team Jersey and team hats with the stars or whatever. It, I will say they're cool. Wear them for like pregame or something. Sell them. Cause you don't know that's what you're trying to do. You're trying to sell money, make it's money. It's like a city connect jer- Jersey. That's basically what it is. And also it's a city connect Jersey. Actually, you know, what would be best where the team city connects to that. That would be pretty, not cool. every, 
Not every team has a City Connect yet, though, so that well, would be up. kind of difficult. But I think within the next year or two, every team should have one. And that would be a great idea for next year or the year afterwards, right? Wear a City Connect jersey. It puts your city on display. It puts your player on display. It's not your general jersey, so it's different. Um, it may get a and little they're usually bolder. Because, they're usually a little yeah, bolder. Well, they're all bold. Yeah, usually they're bolder, except the Cubs. Uh, they're like dull. but uh, Or the Baltimore Orioles. They're a little boldness to it. I don't like the Pirates one. It looks like it says Pug across the, t- the front. I like, see, I like the Pirates one. I like the yellow and the hat. I'll get with the color, but that giant PGH. <laughs> yeah. Pug. Pug across the, Pug. Across the chest. It's, like it's a, too ugh. much. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that would be my discrepancy and what i didn't like about the game is uh the the jerseys like we grew up where they were wearing their own jerseys right and i used to always wish they just wore the all-star game jerseys so that they blended better together yeah but i think i after now kind of looking at the idea where like elias diaz he was the only one from the rockies you want him to come and represent his team Mm -hmm. in that way and you don't you see want the that. purple and black or the purple and white or whatever the color. It, he would have been the road jersey. So it would have been gray and purple. But right. You see that when he hits that home run and that replay happens all the time, you see Colorado across. And he would have had his own helmet too, right? Like you would have seen the Colorado Rockies logo on top of the helmet. And even if it was the uh, City Connect jerseys, those are still different and still cool. And it also probably props up those jersey sales too, right? Like. Yeah. Oh, that's a cool jersey. I haven't seen that one yet because back in the day, there wasn't interleague player. This was the only time like you could watch X play Y, right? You couldn't see Ron Santo play Yogi Berra unless it was the All-Star Game or the World Series. Like the NL didn't play the AL for the longest time except the All-Star Game and the World Series. Now with interleague play, it's a little more like... Okay, but still, you, you want to see your team represented. That's what I would have tuned in for. Like, if Dansby Swanson was playing, I would have rather seen Dansby play in a Cubs jersey rather than that NL crap. Right. But it's still fun to see our game on a top stage. I loved the Evaldi interview with John Smoltz. While he was pitching, Nathan Evaldi was oh, talking. He was pitching? Yeah. yeah. That's like, awesome. That's, that's super cool, right? Like, you get to see the guys' personalities. But overall, uh, a pretty good week. Speaking of a good week... There's a guy or two from LSU, maybe 10 or 13, who had a pretty good week. <laughs> um, the MLB draft was on Sunday, or well, it was Monday, Tuesday. It was Sunday, Monday, the first Tuesday. Round. The first round but was Sunday. But the first round was Sunday, and that's the one that gets the biggest pomp and circumstance. And um, LSU, man, right off the bat. I loved... I love that Pirates did not go cheap. I think Paul, how do you say his last name? Skeens? Skeens, I thought. I think Skeens, you don't have aces come out. He's, they're saying he's one of the best pitchers to ever come out since Strasburg. Um, I, they also say argue that Dylan Cruz is the best since Bryce Harper. But pitching does not come around like this. A, ace guys who, he could come up and be a relief pitcher this year. Paul Skeens, Dylan, I mean, Dylan Cruz could come pitch or could come play too, but... Probably Anyways. not. So uh, Skeens goes number one to the Pirates, and then Dylan Cruz goes number two to the Washington Nationals. And then number three, the Detroit Tigers went with the high schooler. Uh, was his name Max, I believe? Max Clark. Uh, and they passed on Wyatt Langford, who at the point of the time of the draft, 
a lot of the experts had put Wyatt Langford as the number one overall pick, and they had trended him towards the top. So I was even like, oh, Vegas wow. had him there. Even Vegas had him yeah. as the number one. So he fell to fourth, I believe, didn't he? Yes, he did go one one more to fourth after Max Clark to yeah, so. the Texas Rangers. Like the Texas Rangers need more big bat like that. Oh my goodness! Right. right. Um, obviously, baseball is a little different than the NFL. You don't draft for a need; you draft for the best player available because. You don't it know what your be needs going to be. It, it right. should be that way. What I hate has happened in the recent years is money. Like, hey, we oh, know yeah. this guy's going to be cost this much. So, yeah, slot. Like the Pirates almost didn't take Skeens because they thought he'd be too much. Uh, yeah, and I, I don't like how that works out, but I, I kind of understand the politics and the the money behind it, but still not the funnest way for a draft. But still really cool. Uh, what, LSU yeah, had the first it. two picks for the first time ever? A pair of teammates gets drafted one two right the closest that ever was was in 2011 garrett fold and trevor bauer they went one and three from ucla so this Uh, is the first time that a school had the number one and number two overall that was 2011 who's in the number two pick i don't have that in my notes i only have I only well, have you search that out, hour. and I will read the fact that LSU also set a record for 13 players being picked in the 2023 MLB draft. Uh, the previous record was 10. That was back in 2013. So they had eight pitchers drafted. Think about that. How many pitchers are on a college team? You would have to assume probably around 10, 11, right? Yeah. Maybe 12, 13. You don't need so- five starters. No, you only need three or four, right? Because you have your weekend set. You have your Friday, Saturday, Sunday starter, basically. Your Friday starter is your best pitcher. Your Saturday starter is your number two. And then your Sunday starter is your number three. And usually if you have a midweek game, you have a guy who just kind of eats innings. But so LSU had eight pitchers drafted. That's insane. That means they're basically the whole staff. And do you know if they finished finished in the playoffs in the College World Series? I think they won the whole – Happen thing. Pitching wins ball games, baby. Pitching wins championships. So that second overall was the Seattle Mariners out of the University of Virginia, Danny Holson. Oh, yes. He was a lefty. He pitched for the Cubs, actually. At the bullpen, did he start? What's that? Did he was this, did he start for the Cubs or at that point was he? I think he was he was out of the bullpen and I don't even know if he ma- did he make it to the majors. I think he did for a few games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think he was one of those guys like hey former reclamation project that the Cubs picked yeah. up. Yeah, that was a pretty good that's a pretty draft. So we talked about LSU having the one two. There's only been one school that has had three people picked in the first round. That was 2004. Philip Humber. Jeff Neiman and Wade Townsend out of Rice. They went three, four, eight. Rice had a pretty good team back in the early two thousands. Um, I think I, I remember, remember that from MVP Baseball College Edition mm-hmm. 04. the first baseball Philip game Umber. that had the ding. Perfect game uh, throwing, Philip Umber for the With Chicago the, White Sox. Right, he went third right. overall in two thousand four. Oh wow, I didn't realize that. Well, good for him. Uh, he had one game. <laughs> yeah. So speaking of uh, of uh, perfect games, you want to make a, 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 a I didn't really have a segue to this, but you want to make another pour to my bourbon well, I glass. You want to make a toast? Uh, it is Wednesday as we're recording. So how about we go with some Weller Wednesday? Uh, I've got a store pick here, but uh, Weller Proof 
store pick. That's what we're going to go with. Weather Wednesday. Uh, pouring it in my Major League Bourbon Clubhouse aged in ore glass. Oh, look at that. Let me pull sh- my my welder and my aged in ore out. Wow. It's, it's, it's almost like we planned this. <laughs> I'm almost out of this guy. So am I. I've got a little bit left. You might have a little less than me. I have um, a pour left. After good thing I got a backup right up there. <laughs> <laughs> Can't open but, that one. That's part of your well, weller selection, right? Uh, well, then I got a backup on the floor. <laughs> 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 I have a backup to the backup, and that is why we have All-Stars. Uh, and so this was All-Star Week. We had the MLB draft. That was part of it. Uh, also, the Futures game, which is a fun one to watch. But I, I wish they didn't do it when MLB games were being played. I wish it was all part of the same week. Like maybe they had it on the Wednesday because then it would give you something else to watch because there's no base- There's no sports tonight. No. There's nothing. You know what's also annoying? You can't watch the All Star Game on MLB TV. Mm-mm. You, you buy can't watch the, the baseball Derby season. either, or the Futures Game. None of it. None of it is on MLB TV. Well, going from uh, American Single Malt to that, way different. Oof. <laughs> Sorry, uh, it's amazing how much your palate changes, uh, or 20, how 20 much things fire. change. Yeah, twenty proof fire is that's not, it's not the proof that got me. It was like a almost a cough syrupy taste to me oh. comparative to yeah i was like oh that tastes like a robitussin almost oh uh, no <laughs> <laughs> so we're diving here we're just through the all-star break we're going into the second half of the season wanted to talk about uh, or, or kind of just get an overview of the season where we're at so far the mlb standings we talk about them here and there but we don't really go over them week to week we normally just say hey this is they're in first they're in first whatever and give our power rankings I wanted to recap the divisions um, and maybe like look at these and say, okay, I think they're going to win or there's another team in that division you think maybe a sneaky bet or not necessarily a sneaky bet, but just a different team that could come through in that division that's not currently leading it right now. Okay. Let's start with the AL West. Uh, the Texas Rangers, they have been one of the best teams in baseball for the first half of the season. They haven't played well as of late though. 52 and 39. They've only got a two game lead over the Astros. And what I find incredible is for as rough as a first half as it seems the Mariners had, they're only six games back. Yeah, you wonder if this all-star game in Seattle, Julio doing well, could be a resurgence and never know what kind of additions they could um make <laughs> yeah we'll see about that one but yeah so they're six games back even the angels they're seven games <laughs> back so as much of a stretch as it's been like they've won one of the last 10 they're they've lost nine of the last 10 right and they're still only seven games back they're still technically in the hunt. Think about the Braves and the Mets last year, right? Weren't the Mets like eight or nine games up on the Braves going into the last couple of weeks of the year? Right, yeah. The Mets and Braves last year went went at it for that first place just within the last few weeks. But Angels don't have Mike Trout until Right, oh, yeah. I'm not saying the Angels. Is, oh, okay. Out of those three teams behind them, I'd say the Astros have a good chance of jumping ahead of Texas. No offense, Trey. Uh, but also, the Mariners are a sneaky team right now, man. Go look at that. Since June 15th, have you seen what that staff has done? 
Well, just by the player of the week last week, he had a complete game shutout um, and then pitched, what, seven innings of two-run ball? Yeah, so one-run ball. So Logan Gilbert, player of the week, 16 innings pitched last week. He had a complete game shutout, and then he followed that up against the Astros with seven one-run innings. And I think it was three hits versus the Astros in that game. He didn't walk a single batter over those two starts. Um, so Logan Gilbert does that. But the starters ERA since June 15th for the Mariners. Who are their starters? Who are their starters? So you got Logan Gilbert. Uh, you also have Luis Castillo. Oh, well, that's who Bryce. I forgot about. Okay, yeah. so you got Luis Castillo, Logan Gilbert, Castillo. George Kirby, George Brian Kirby. Wu, and Bryce Miller. And oh, Bryce my Miller. gosh. Yeah. They're, Brian, and their Brian starters, Wu's, yeah, they're, they're great. Yeah, their starters ERA since June 15th, so we're about a month here, 2.57. Wow. That's, the is second, that, does that lead the American League? That leads the entire MLB. Oh, the entire MLB. Oh, okay. Second place team is the San Diego Padres at 3.12, and we'll jump onto that here in a second. And then the Braves at 3.27, the Phillies at 3.37, and then the Mets at 3.39. So we'll jump into these statistics a little bit later. But So the Seattle Mariners, I think, have a good shot, if not to win the division, at least make a play for it later on in the year. They were my pick at the beginning of the year. I believed in the pitching staff. I thought their offense was going to be a lot better with the additions of Tay Oscar bringing Colton Wong on at least to be a catalyst and a better infielder. Uh, it just hasn't worked out yet, but Tay Oscar is starting to play. Julio had a rough start. I think they're starting to gel. I do think Scott Service, I know a lot of Seattle Manor fans are not a fan of Scott Service as the manager, but I do think they have a team that could contend in that division. It's only six games. Think about that. If you took a game a week in six weeks, you're tied for first place. Yeah, this is the time of year where the real teams start to show, where the season, start. they start to realize that season is long, and that's why it's not a short season baseball, why it's a long season to show. Mm -hmm. Baseball's hard. <laughs> Baseball Baseball's is hard. very, very hard. So moving on to the next division. Well, I didn't ask you, is there a team in that division or is it the Rangers for you? It's the Rangers. I think the Angels are done. I think the Angels are done. I think then the next team is the Astros with the Mariners finishing third. I think the Astros still with Kyle Tucker, underrated. Um, they've got Framber. They've got Christian Javier, Hunter Jordan, Brown. If Jordan gets healthy. Right. I think the Astros are just always dangerous. I don't like saying that, but um, oh, I still sure. think it's finishes Texas, Houston. <laughs> yeah, Seattle. I, Angel, Angel, but so for me, I could flip-flop Houston and Seattle. Okay. Um, so moving on to the next division, probably the worst division in baseball. That is the AL Central. <laughs> I'm laughing at your note, too. Is that what you're laughing at with the Rays being on there? Yeah, the the Rays are just dominating every division. I messed up the <laughs> yeah. notes on that one. But uh, So the Tampa Bay Rays, excuse me, the Cleveland <laughs> Guardians, they lead that division with a solid 45-45 and 45 record. So they're exactly at 500. Second place at the Twins by a half game back. Then Detroit's only five and a half back. And I'd say the ship has sailed on the Chicago White Sox, who are 38 and 54, eight games back. They took, uh, they took a big hit when they lost two of three to the Athletics the weekend before the Fourth of July. And since then, it's just and you got Luis Robert hurt. So that division, it's up for grabs. The Tigers are theoretically in play at five and a half. Who wins that division? I think it's the Guardians. You think it's the Guardians? They've got they've got pitching. 
They they have enough mm-hmm. pitching to trade away Shane Bieber. They've got the be- one of the best hitters in baseball, Jose Ramirez. I mm-hmm. don't think they have enough offense though. They, they got the best manager. Um, Tito, Francona. Tito. I mean, out of everybody in that division, they, he's the best manager. I I picked the Twins at the beginning of the season, and they looked good. Their pitching staff is stellar. They yes. just it's faded Carlos a little Correa. bit from the beginning of the year, but yeah. I want to go, and I'm going to go off a limb here, and I'm going to say the Detroit Tigers come back and oh, win wow. that weak division. I think uh, Riley Green's back and healthy. Spencer Torkelson oh. is starting to hit home runs like they expect him to. And uh, Tariq Skubal just came back. They've got Tariq. They've got Matt Manning. They just you're threw missing, a combined no-hitter. You're missing one of the most important players on that team. So, Zach Short, man. Zach Short. Former Cubs farm. He's having a good year up there. I'm proud of that little guy. I shouldn't say (laughs) little guy. He seems like a little guy, but Shorty's actually not so shorty. Zach Short, uh, for those of you who don't know who he is, he is part of the Compound Podcast. He is uh, kind of an every kind of player you need for the the Tigers. He plays second base. He plays shortstop. He's been in the outfield, I believe, at times. Dude's having a pretty decent year in his full, I'd say full-time. He started in the minors this year, uh, but he's having a good year. Uh, I think Javi has the potential to come around. But, I mean, so short's betting 211, but he's kind of one of those glue guys on the team, right? He comes up with the big hits, the big plays. I just wanted to say Zach Short in our podcast, to be honest. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Because I'm a fan of his. Yeah. that. I remember when that that podcast came together during COVID, the Mm -hmm. the guys needed something to do. And I thought that was such a neat idea of a way to kill time. But right. Yeah. It's the fact that it's still going and it's owned by John boy media right now. Good stuff there. Shout out to Tony cap, who is part of the Detroit tigers, uh, organization. He is one of the coaches of the Toledo mud hens. I think he's got the barrel proof baseball podcast. Uh, So go check. Yeah, so go check that out. I think that's him. I think it's him. He's a big whiskey guy. Uh, I'm in a actually instant messenger group on uh, Instagram with him and a couple of other folks as well. So okay. Tony Cap, go check him out. So that's AL Central. You're going to the Tigers. I'm going with the Guardians. AL East, Tampa Rays, 58-35, and 35, lead the Baltimore Orioles by two, the Toronto Blue Jays by seven, the Yankees by eight, and the Red Sox by nine. That division is all within nine games. That's very close. It's and all that ninth that team that is nine games back would be in first place in AL Central. Is that right? Yeah, they're a couple. <laughs> I think what are they three games above five hundred and they're in dead last in their division. It's ridiculous. Yeah, the Red Sox are forty eight and forty three. So not only would they be in first place, they'd be leading that division by two and a half games. Yeah, um, I've I've got to go with. I want to go with we just with our power rankings last week. I want to go with Baltimore. They do not have starting pitching to, to do it. I don't think they want to add anything yet. Jackson Holiday could make an appearance in the second half. Mm-hmm. He just got promoted to Double A. If you don't know who Jackson Holiday is he's Matt Holiday's son just got drafted, prospect. number one prospect in baseball. He could make an appearance in the second half, and I think that would be pretty damn cool if he did. He was um, number one last year, right? Number one overall pick. Yeah, and then Drew Jones second. Um, I think the Yankees will actually finish third. I think they make an addition. I think there's whispers of them going after Juan Soto. 
There's them thinking of Cody Bellinger. Any, mm-hmm. ba- basically any kind of power hitting outfielder. Wait, I mean, in that short porch. Right. And if the Padres don't keep rolling, yeah. you could see uh, Juan Soto. The Blue Jays pitching is starting to come together, man. They've had one of the better pitching staffs over the last couple of weeks as well. Manoa's is. back. Uh, Gosman has been a stud. You also have Chris Bassett, who hasn't been as great as of late, but still pretty decent. Uh, and then Kikuchi. And uh, even when a couple of years ago, Jose Barrios was one of the better pitchers in the league, and now he's the fifth starter on that team. Right, so... Uh, their offense has not been right. great. It's scored a lot of runs. They've had a lot of hits, but they haven't had hits in clutch moments. Like they are one of the worst clutch hitting teams. I think they're like 26 out of 30 when it comes to runners in scoring position, but they have the fifth highest average or something along that line in the league. So something's got to give. I think the Blue Jays have a chance. I don't think the Rays win this division. No, you don't think so? I, I could, no. I could I could be on that on that train. I still think they make the playoffs. They're too good of a team to not make the playoffs. I just don't think that they're going to win the division. If they would stop platooning their guys and just play them every day, play Josh Lowe every day, play Luke Rayleigh every day, play your guys, mm-hmm. your best players every day. Stop the platooning crap. Let them get in rhythm. And let's go. So let's go back out west. The NL West, the Dodgers and the Diamondbacks are tied for first place right now, but the Dodgers technically have the higher winning percentage, so they are listed first, 51-38. and 38. D-backs are 52-39. and 39. It's a lot closer of a division than you would have thought. The Giants only two and a half back, and then the Padres, for as bad as they have been at 43-47, and 47, only eight and a half back. Like we said earlier, the Braves and the Mets last year were further apart, I believe, at that point when the Braves came back and charged through. So, and, what are your uh, thoughts? I, I, I think the Padres could come rolling. Manny is all of a sudden turning into Manny. The mm-hmm. month of May, he batted 217 with only a 326 slugging with one home run. And that, well, he, he was hurt. On May 15th, he did fracture his hand. Um, in June, though, we started to pick it up a little bit. You could see he was probably still dealing with the hand. He had four home runs in 26 games. But in the eight games in July, he was the player of the month, obviously, or player of the week. Player of the week, yep. If Manny could be Manny, that and and <laughs> Snell can, and the rotation can keep doing, I think if Manny goes, they go, and they will make that NL West look like the AL West. Or I'm sorry, AL East. You know, every yeah. team competitive except the Rockies. Except the Rockies. Uh, so you mentioned Blake Snell. Dude has been on a bender. So let's say since May 25th, he's got a .6 ERA. Let me repeat that. A .68 ERA. K per nine is 14.26. He's 5-1 and one with 80... Yeah. Sorry. 84 strikeouts in 53 innings. That's the one thing because he's only gone seven innings once, and that was versus Colorado. In Colorado, where he only gave up one run. Uh, But he's given up runs in three starts out of his last nine. He's gone five innings once, twice, excuse me, and then the rest six innings and then one seven innings. So he's averaging about five and two-thirds of an inning per start over the last nine ERA of 0.68. His FIP is 1.96. He's dealing. The dude is pitching. I think I kept saying pitching like a $200 million man. Mm-hmm. That's like that. This is the Cy Young Blake Snell we saw a couple years ago, right? When he was 2018. 2018. Yeah. 
Yep. And he's kind of leading that staff, which since June 15th, uh, I mentioned um, earlier, uh, even going back to June 1st, the Padres they have one of the better teams when it comes to war in offensively. They're the third highest war offensively since June 1st. So they're starting to come they're, together. They're ninth in average, 12th in runs scored, and 11th in home runs tied with Arizona. That division is pretty stacked. Like I wouldn't have expected the Giants to be as good as they've been as of late. Sorry, Isaac. Right. Sorry, Jason. Sorry, all of our Giants fans. We've got a couple of those who watch and listen. Uh, but yeah, the Giants, they went on that huge run as well to get right back into it. Um, they made it into our top 10 power rankings, which we'll get to here in a second. But yeah, I mean, that division is going to be a tough one. Uh, I'm going Dodgers. Sorry. I still think that I still think hope they missed the playoffs. I think it's uh, Arizona one and San Francisco two. Logan Webb is on fire. I I don't. I think the Dodgers missed the playoffs. You're just sticking with your guns from the beginning. I'm sticking with my guns with the beginning season. Moving on, uh, we have the Cincinnati Reds leading the Chicago Cubs, the Milwaukee Brewers, and the Pittsburgh Pirates. I said it in the wrong order. The Brewers are in second at plus one, but the Cubs are plus seven. Pirates are eight and a half back. Um, they are probably down a little too far. I don't think the Cubs are yet. Cincinnati's no. 50 and 41. Um, very good story. I think their starting pitching needs some help. Um, Graham Ashcraft needs to get a little bit better. They've got Lodolo as well as um, Hunter Green. Green on the I.L., Luke Weaver has been their fifth starter for most of the year. Uh, Needs to stay there. Andrew way. Abbott has been a godsend for that team. Yes. They need pitching. Fun. Yes, Andrew Abbott. Coming out of the minor leagues, usually you have to kind of, you know, tailor back a guy. And this guy has been throwing 100-plus pitches in every start. Kind of crazy. Yeah. Almost thinking like Dusty Baker's the manager again or something. <laughs> so they're nine above 500, 15, 41. The Brewers, I don't know, man. I don't know if their pitching staff uh, is going to be able to stay healthy. They have the best pitching staff in the division. Eh, never, never mind. That Cubs five starters are very good. But the Gosh. Brewers' top three, I think, are the best top three in the division. Their offense, though, I just can't get behind. They are so inconsistent. They can't hit left-handed pitching. Here's my thing on the Cubs. I don't think the Cubs win the division, but I do think they make a charge and have a chance for the playoffs unless they sell. And I don't anticipate them selling because as they go through the next couple of games, they play the Red Sox for three. Then they've got the Washington Nationals. They've got, I believe, the Brewers. They've got the White Sox, and they've got the Cardinals for six. And I think they play the Reds before the All-Star break. So before theoretically. The trade deadline. Yeah. Uh, before, yeah. Before the trade deadline. Um, so they'll play the Cardinals, I think, six games. And they won't play the Brewers. I messed up on that. But they play the White Sox, who is a terrible team. Um, they play the Nationals, who theoretically you should be able to get three out of four. And if you can take one or two out of the three versus the Red Sox this weekend, you're fresh, you're quiet. Like you, you So these are all have... big games for the Cubs right now. Big games. Right. Uh, and my proclamation is I think that the Cubs have a shot at sneaking in as a wild card. You picked that at the beginning of the year. They're only a couple of games below 500. I think they're six games below 500. They're seven games back of the Reds. I don't think they win the division, but I think that they'll have a competitive second half similar to last year. But I'm going with the Reds in that division, man. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I'm ex- I'm exactly the same page. Reds division, Cubs wild card. 
Cubs were 42 and 47, so they're only five under. Not as bad as I thought. Uh, NL East, I think this is a runaway. I do think the Phillies are going to try to make a charge. And I do think the Mets may sneak into wild card talks unless they start to sell. I do not believe in this Marlins team. They're 53 and 39, eight and a half back. That's rough. 53 I, would, and I, I just can't believe how they're doing it already. And they're about to shut right. Yuri Perez down. So they're going to mm-hmm. lose their ace. Jesus Lizardo's on is probably going to be limited a little bit too. They're not scoring runs. They're just winning close games. And at some point, the other shoe's going to drop, right? You're not going to be able to win every one-run game at this point, especially when you're not scoring runs. Your best player has been Luis Arise, who, of course, has a shot at batting 400. I don't think he'll get there at this point, but he's at like 383 or 388 or whatever I saw the other day. I think it's the Braves, and I don't think anyone's going to come close, but I do think the Phillies charge back into the playoffs. And they are a team to mess with in the second half of the season. Yeah. Nick, Nick Castellanos is having a great year finally. Um, I think Trey Turner is starting to, starting to turn it around a little bit mm-hmm. and be the Trey Turner they thought they They're were good. getting. They've got a great rotation. I mean, one, two, you go Nola Wheeler. And Hard to beat that. Remember that story I told at the beginning of the year when uh, – they get to the World Series and their first baseman with a broken knee makes it back. It's like, just, yeah. we're all lining up, baby. Yeah, <laughs> we'll see. We may have Nostradamus. Usually your predictions fall very flat on their face, so so we shall see. Uh, but I'm going to well, make I'm a, a pro- proclamation out of all of this. So the Atlanta Braves, the best team in baseball overall, right, you would say? Yes. They, they If they lose, it's like... Oh, wow. Yeah. Like they, they win eight games and then they lose the game. Then they win eight games and then lose the game. Then they win seven games. I'm going to make this proclamation. It's going to really piss off some Braves fans. The Braves will not win the World Series in 2023. Will they make it to the World Series? They may make it to the World Series. I okay. do not think that they're going to win the World Series. And I'm basing it off of no real fact other than the possibility that no team has had the best record going into the All-Star break and won the World Series in the last 10 years except one team. That was the Boston Red Sox in 2013 and 2018. They're the only team to do it, and they did it in multiple years. Every other team has failed. Last year it was the the Yankees. So they may break the curse, but I just they've got the best team. It would be hard to root against them. It would be hard to bet against them. But Especially if they make additions. Especially if they make additions. But where do you make additions? In the bullpen? Yes. Where do you improve this team? Half the damn well, team was just starting in the fucking All Star game. A couple of years ago, they had like they traded for closers, but didn't use them as a closer. They had like three closers, guys right. who were closers in their bullpen, mm-hmm. and that's when you got uh, Max Reed coming back. He go. You only need him to go to six because you've mm-hmm. got freaking how many guys in the bullpen? Right. That's you can so, count on that. That's that's legit. So bullpen is probably where they make their moves, but I don't know how much of them, like, so they make an addition there, but how much does that make them better, right? Other teams can close the gap, I think. I don't think the Braves can get much better because they're already at the top. I just don't think that they're going to win the World Series because I'm making this, I'm putting my foot down and I'm pissing off Joe. I'm probably going to get shadow banned from Justin. You're making a declaration. I declare bankruptcy. I declare, <laughs> <laughs> I declare that the Braves will not win the World Series this year. Sorry, Kyle. Um, as well, I didn't I'm say it. To shout I, out a- Brandon didn't say it. He declared it. 
I declared it. Uh, I don't know who's going to win the World Series, but it's not going to be the Braves. That's what I'm going to say. Um, also, I think that Jed Hoyer is a genius. Jed Hoyer is a genius? Why? Yes. So we all got on Jed Hoyer's ass for not reciting any of these players, right? Oh, absolutely. So from the 2016 Cubs, do you know who is the best player right now in the Major League Baseball? There are eight from players 2016? From, the, from the 2016 Cubs, the core team. Jorge Soler right now has the best war amongst all of them. And I was going to say Kyle huge. Hendricks, actually. Well, uh, okay, of the lineup. But do you know who is the second best and who has the second highest war amongst players from the 2016 Cubs that are still playing? It's not Wilson, is it? It's Jason Hayward. Oh, my gosh. Jason Hayward, 1.5 war for the Dodgers. He's got eight home runs. Wilson Contreras, 1.4. Rizzo at 1.2. Javi Baez is a 0.4. Both Chris Bryant and Kyle Schwarber are a negative 0.4 war. Hey, you know what? Hayward's still being paid by the Cubs. So yeah, he is. For one more year. For one more year. And then Tommy LaStella had played a couple games for the Mariners, and he's got a minus 0.2 war. But still, think about this. Jason Hayward. Good for Jason, man. I'm happy for Jason. It didn't work out in Chicago, but he was a great dude. He was a great ambassador for the Cubs. He was a great person in the community. It just didn't work with the Cubs. But right now, he's the best of those core players. And he got launched into a role this year. He was expected to be like a bench guy for the Dodgers. And after all the injuries. He signed a minor league deal. Right. And the, the Dodgers had injury after injury, and suddenly he was the starting right fielder. Yeah. 1.5 war, eight home runs. Willie is behind him at 1.4. Then it goes Rizzo, Baez, Bryant, and Schwarber. So that's off to Jed. You made the right choice. So you didn't pay you, millions so, and millions. So if Jed right now was the GM of the Angels, what would he be doing this offseason? He'd be trading Otani. He would be right. trading. Yeah. Are you, are you trading Otani at this at right now? So. Okay. Right now, no. Because you've still got three weeks to somehow get back into contention. You showed a couple weeks ago that your team could do it. You did have Mike Trout at that point, but you still showed that you could do it. You've had a a rough streak, but you have the best player in baseball. You do have the best player in baseball on both sides of the plate. You have a pitcher who does it, and you have a hitter who does it. And he can win. He can win ball games by himself. He he can literally do it by. He's shown it. He can do it by himself. So would I trade him? If you're in the same spot you are right now when it comes to the trade deadline, how how do you not? Do you want – I know I think Artie said that I, he's not going to be the guy who traded away the best, the best player, player in baseball. But at a certain point, if he's not going to re-sign – now, if he's got a shot at coming back to the Angels, which I hear he may, think about Otani. He's someone who doesn't really talk a lot to the media. He's not about the status, right? He's not the guy who's like, look at me, look at me. He, we, I think we talked about this last week, is he's not a selfish player. He likes comfort, to be honest. He's a, a, probably a guy who thrives on comfort. He's comfortable in L.A., right? He may want to win, but he's comfortable he in L.A. He want to win, right. So did you see what Alex Rodriguez said about the whole Angels in Otani situation? I did not. So Alex Rodriguez, quote, blow it up, trade Otani and Trout. So his quote is, "Angels win if you blow it up. The Angels win in five years, the World Series in five years. 
if they trade Otani and Trout. You get yourself five to six first-round players out of that. Bring in a guy like Theo Epstein, let him run the whole thing, and you win yourself a World Series in five years by this trade. A couple things. I don't know if Theo would actually do that. Theo may, but Theo, I think, wants to own a team rather than manage like or generally right. manage a team. He's already proven it with the Cubs and the Red Sox. I think now is the time where he wants to be like, okay, I want to own somebody. And I think he's probably going to be in on the first expansion team that we see in the next couple of years. Mm-hmm. I would trade Otani personally because I don't know if he's coming back to L.A., but I do think of all the players who – Usually, when they hit free agency, I think he's got a. I think the Angels have a decent shot. He's comfortable there. He knows what it's like. He's right. from another country. I would still try to get as much as I could for him as I possibly could because if you let him go to free agency and you do not get anything, and I mean, the only thing you get is you give him a qualifying offer and you get a draft pick in the later rounds, which. As we know, draft Crap picks shoot. don't always. You, who who just got picked second in twenty eleven? Danny Holson. Is that what you said? Danny Holson. Right. That doesn't guarantee you a damn thing, right? Nope. So if you don't trade him now for a potential top five prospect in an organization, you're doing yourself a disservice. You're setting the franchise back years, right? Because I mean, all you're getting is one player. Right. And you could argue, well, he's only like you could say, well, look at what Juan Soto netted. Juan Soto netted, you know, four top prospects in Mackenzie Gore, Assel, Abrams, and James Woods. But Soto had years of control. Two and a half, right? Two and a half. He's not a free agent until after 2024. Right. So you bought two and a half years of his control, which was still arbitration. So trying to find trying to find another deal like of a big player that got traded, I went all the way back to Manny Machado when he got traded from the Orioles to the Dodgers. He was having an all-star year. None of the guys that the Dodgers traded away panned out for the Orioles. That sucks None for the of Orioles. Them. Sucks for the Orioles. So now the interesting thing that we were talking about before, right before we hit record on here, the best comparison was last year at the trade deadline – Two rentals were traded to the Dodgers from the Nationals, and that's Max that Serger. Was it 2021? Yeah, because Max pitched with uh, New York last year. But Trey's been with Philly already? Uh, Trey was with Philly this year, the Dodgers for a year and a half. Oh, okay. but So that's still relevant. Okay, so it was two years yep. ago. Um, at the deadline, the Dodgers traded – for two players, a pitcher and a shortstop in Max Serger and Trey Turner. That's mm-hmm. Shohei right there, a pitcher and a and a, a great offensive and defensive player. Right. And so that's both sides. That costed the Dodgers their number one and number two prospect Which for were? Max and Trey. Herbert you Herbert 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 Ruiz. Ruiz. Ruiz and Josiah Gray at the time okay. was their number one, number two. So is that Otani's price right there? I would say one more piece. One more. I think that's a close. I think that's a close comparison. I just Trey's not the power hitter that Otani is. He is a better defensive player because he plays defense and Otani doesn't. Thirty one home runs. He's got thirty two. I think he hit his thirty second in the last game versus the Dodgers. Because <laughs> he leads the league in home runs at thirty two. So uh, 
What am I asking for? I'm asking I'm asking for your one, your two, and your four. That's what I'm asking for. Because if you're trading it to a team, that team theoretically has the potential to win the whole damn thing. Right? You're not trading for Otani just for two months of Otani. You're trading for him because he fits two needs. You need a bat, you need a pitcher. You know, the Yankees. Yeah. Think about the Yankees. The Yankees need a left handed bat. Perfect in that park. And they need another starting pitcher. I mean, you don't know what Rodon's going to be. Is Rodon going to be Rodon, or is he going to be hurt? He dealt with injuries his entire career. Well, the Yankees pay the price. Injuries. Yeah, he dealt right. two injuries in the spring, back and shoulder. Will the Yankees um, pay the price? I doubt it. I don't know if I don't know what team would pay the price, but you have to dangle him out there. If you don't dangle him out there, you're doing yourself and you're doing your franchise a disservice. Right. I agree. I agree. I think if the if the Angels are in the same spot. It's even if Otani, you know, you set you if he likes Austin, if he likes you that much and he likes it, and we and it never happens, it's only it only happened once with Aurelius Chapman being traded away and then coming back to the team that traded right. him away. You want to better your team, do you not? I mean, oh, if, you're sure. gonna, if you're gonna come back, yes, trade me, trade me and better the team, unless he so what go ahead. Unless he was wanting to go to the Yankees, which when he would be depleting the Yankees, you know. Right. So what team do you think would be the best fit for him right off the top of your head right now? We can talk his free agency down the road, but like if you were a team that needed something, would the you Seattle go after The Seattle Mariners do not need him. Nope. They could Their use pitching his staff bat, is great. but they don't need the pitching staff. I think the m- most fun place, and they should do it, the Atlanta Braves. Take Eddie Rosario out of the outfield. Take, you don't need Ozuna. Uh, well, Ozuna you, is, oh, oh. is going downhill. Ozuna, I'm, I'm sorry. Though. I'm sorry. Excuse me. Ozuna from the Braves. That's right. But he's DHing. He's DHing. But you, I mean, that team immediately becomes the Braves. Don't the Braves don't have? They don't do that. But they don't have the best farm system anyway. So go ahead and just give up your number one and two. You know. That would be the what most if, fun. Do they do it? Absolutely not. They what if you were they, the Diamondbacks? The Diamondbacks, we talked about. I said they could use Max Serger and Paul Goldschmidt. Mm-hmm. Do, are, is, if you, who's cheaper, Otani or those two combined? Probably Otani. And who's better? And who's better? Probably Otani. Yes, absolutely. And, I think the, the Diamondbacks would be a sneaky. I don't think they'll do it, but that would be a sneaky team. That would instantly, if you do that, you are instantly a World Series contender. Because yes. you are putting a number two, three, four hitter in that lineup with Corbin Carroll, uh, with Christian Walker, with Lourdes Goriel, and then you're just adding another ace to the rotation with Zach Allen. One, two, you go Gallon Otani. One, two, game over, man, right? That'd be so much fun to see that Corbin Carroll the young, the rookie of the year with the MVP MVP so well, that's another a... thing yep, yeah ahead. yeah go ahead no I know what you're gonna ask <laughs> I, t- I tweeted it out the other day so if Otani goes to the NL does he still win the AL MVP I was hoping you knew this question what happens which MVP does he win I don't know if he'll win the MVP. usually when they move over they don't count their stats no, like, they don't. You reset, so you would become the NL player. So that's why when J.D. Martinez went to the Diamondbacks, he literally almost won the NL MVP for half a season with the Diamondbacks. For real. But 
I don't know what Otani have. It depends on when he gets traded and where his numbers are. If he hits that 42 point, home runs in the AL, he's going to win AL MVP. Yes. I think if he got traded in the NL, then he can't beat out Ronald Acuna. No, he wouldn't. Not at all. But could he still win the AL MVP? That's, I think, possible. Oh, if he got traded to the NL and still yeah. won AL? Yeah. Name the second. Who's second place right now behind Otani? In the AL? Who jumps out oh. right away? Garrett Cole. Um, yeah, right. even no, I don't think he's there's nobody. Great. There's nobody that is like, boom, they're having an, an immaculate season, you know, like yeah, these well, two other guys are. Let me pull up war real quick on Fangraph. So the second high, Wander Franco is the second highest war amongst AL players behind Shohei, uh, and he's got a 3.8, and Shohei's in the sixes <laughs> because he added pitching and his hitting. Um, and behind that would be Luis Robert, and then Adelise Garcia, Jose oh Ramirez, and then he Marcus totally Semien. He totally could do it. He totally could he, do it. He could. I don't know. It'll it'll be interesting. I tweeted out to Passon and Jesse Rogers, but we're two little little people compared he, to Keons peasants. Yeah. So moving on, uh, second half team to watch. We kind of already went over that. I think it's the Mariners. I was just talking about it. it's. The Mariners in the AL, and I think it's the Padres in the NL, just for the fact that they're pitching staffs, right? You're pitching, pitching wins championships. We just talked about that with LSU. That's usually how it goes in the playoffs. Starter ERAs, I mentioned it earlier, but the Mariners 2.57, the Padres 3.12, the Braves 3.27, the Phillies 3.37, and the Mets 3.39 in the last month. I think those top two teams, if those pitching staffs continue to do what those pitching staffs have done, it's going to be hard to beat them. Right. Even if they're yes. down in the division, they're still. We saw last year. All it takes is to get to six in the wild card. You have to be the last wild card, and you can make it to the World Series. Just get in and and figure it out at that point. Get hot. Hold on tight. Right. Get yep. hot. Like the Cardinals when they won the World Series. What was it in twenty eleven? Mm-hmm. I think they were like an eighty three, eighty four win team, weren't they? Yes. So I think 84. Yeah. So I'm going to say the Mariners and the Padres. I think both those teams can sneak into the playoffs, even though right now they are not currently in the playoffs. Yeah. I I have to agree with you. No, I have to agree with you right there. Padres and, um, and, and Mariners, the Mariners have that pitching staff. The Padres have Xander Bogart, Juan Soto, uh, Young Sung Kim is having a decent, you know, can get hot at times. Um, I, did I say Juan Soto already? Manny Machado. Yeah. They have. They have. They, they, yeah. I, I still think the Padres have a chance to run with it. Joe Musgrove. Mm-hmm. Um, right. For what it's worth, um, projected when it comes to the full season, Fangraphs has the Braves at 102, the Rays at 96. They also have the Giants at 86, the Red Sox at 84. The Padres at 83 and 79. So the Padres, they have making it a lot deeper with their record as the Mariners. They have the Reds only winning 82 games from here on out. So it'll be an interesting, we're here, we're in the second half. This is when, this is what they call the dog days of summer, right? The late parts of July getting into August. This is where you start to make your move. We're a couple of weeks away from the trade deadline. Which uh, I we love the trade deadline. Spe- we might we have do. to do a special show, Michael. We may have to do our first YouTube live. Yes, I w- that w- that that sounds like something. And uh, 
Hopefully not too many chugs are involved. <laughs> we could do chug bets or something. We'll have to we'll have to formulate that between now and the end of July. But uh yeah, I, I think those are the two teams. I'm I'm still putting my money on the Mariners. That pitching staff, man, we mentioned it. You've got three aces. Castillo, Gilbert, and, and uh, Luis Castillo too. But George Kirby. Luis Castillo and uh, Logan Gilbert. And then if you look at what Bryce Miller's done in his young career, you've got Dude, Bobby. Oh. Brian Wu is having just, a, yeah. just, a, he's so quietly having a great, great debut. Yeah. Uh, the Mariners team's going to be a fun team to watch in the second half, but I'm calling it now on July 12th at 1032 PM Eastern time. The Seattle Mariners are going to be a fun team through the second half. Uh, so moving forward, real quick, before we jump into our power rankings, we've talked about Immaculate last week. I'm enjoying that. We're sending that back and forth to each other. Uh, that's a fun We're trying game. to. We're trying to. We're trying to. Uh, and I'm going to try to post the next day of me actually doing it on TikTok. So go follow us on TikTok. I'm going to try to like uh, – did you see Jeff Passan the other day? He did I did see that video. He did it in 12 seconds. 12 seconds. Dude is a freaking genius. Yeah, that's like that the third was, that was awesome. engine, but yes. Now, it awesome. was all like this generation answers that he had mostly. No, he had uh, Don Larson, I believe. That was the only one. That was the only one. Yeah, and that was his first guess too. Uh, but if you don't know what we're talking about, Immaculate is a cool baseball game. It's kind of like Wordle. You've got a, it's kind of like Tic-Tac-Toe in the same way too, where you have three and three and you have to match it up. So if one square says Cubs and one square says White Sox, you have to pick a player who played for both teams. But you're trying to get the guy who nobody else is guessing. Like Ron Santo would be a great guess because not a lot of people realize that Ron Santo played for the White Sox and vice versa. Mm. So uh, it's a cool game. Go check it out. Uh, we There's no sponsorship to it, but it's cool. It's fun. Uh, and then another thing who I want to ask love baseball you, games? Well, it's it's another way to just kind of test your brain about baseball. Next thing I really wanted to touch on real quick, we haven't touched much on it on our podcast. There is Fantasy Baseball Camp, which is an extension of Barrels and Barrels. So, Michael, going into the second half, are there any fantasy players um, for those fantasy players here in our uh, podcast that are listening or watching? What what guys are you reaching out for right now that may be available? So available, so he's about 85% owned, so he's not widely available. Alec Manoa, go get him. He has ace potential. Go get Alec Manoa. He has ace potential. And we just talked about the Seattle, Seattle Mariners rotation. Brian Wu, he's only about 67% owned. So he is most likely available in your league. He's available in half leagues. Dude's having a great year. Go get him. Those are two, two starting pitchers. Everyone's always looking for starting pitching. So if you were to grab him, would you be able to say, "Woo, woo"? You could, there's a, there's a team name right there, right there, a yeah. fantasy team name with "woo" going on, and uh, and and the closer at grab grab Albert Alzaway. He's only twenty eight percent owned. If the Cubs are buyers, the dude got two saves right before the All Star break in in a single week. He's got a great K rate. Everyone's always looking for leaf pitching, right? Yeah. I mean, and the Cubs have a shot here over the next couple of weeks. I'm not just being a homer. Here it is. Boston for three games, Washington for three games, St. Louis for four games, the White Sox for two, St. Louis for four games, and then the Reds for three games, four games going into August 3rd. And I believe the trade deadline this year is what, August 2nd? I'll have to double check on that. But I think it's a couple of days into August rather than the end of July like it usually used to be. Mm -hmm. uh, but 
So that'll be f- something to watch going forward. As far as that was fantasy, let's talk about top 10 real quick. As you mentioned uh, a couple of weeks ago, this is exclusively on YouTube for our full breakdown. So if you're looking for more on this, go head on over to our YouTube page, Barrels and Barrels Pod on YouTube. Go check that out. That video's got more views than any of our other videos have gotten over the last couple of months. So uh, week 15, Michael, let's get your top 10. Yeah, so at 10, I've got the Giants. Nine, I've got Philadelphia Phillies. At eight, I've got the Cincinnati Reds. Seven, the Arizona Diamondbacks. They fell. Uh, six, the Texas Rangers. Five, the Los Angeles Dodgers. Four, the Miami Marlins. Three, Baltimore. And then rounding out the top two is the Tampa Bay Rays and the powerhouse Atlanta Braves. And as I mentioned, you can find the full breakdown on our YouTube page, Barrels and Barrels Pod. Go follow us there, subscribe to us, and get the full breakdown on our YouTube page. It's exclusive there. Uh, You can also find the full graphic not only on YouTube in this episode, but also on our Facebook, Instagram, as well as Twitter pages. My top 10, the Toronto Blue Jays at 10. Number 9, the Philadelphia Phillies. Number 8, the Los Angeles Dodgers. Number 7, the Houston Astros. Number 6, the Texas Rangers. Number 5, the Cincinnati Reds. Number 4, Arizona Diamondbacks. The Baltimore Orioles come in at 3. And then just like Michael, Tampa and then Atlanta for the final 2. 2-1 two to one with the powerhouse Atlanta Braves. Um, not a whole lot of shakeup in the top two, but everything else kind of shuffled around last week, and we've got that full breakdown on why and how come we made our decisions in that full YouTube episode. So why? coming forward, we've got more interviews coming down the pike here uh, over the next couple of weeks, some that we're really ex- – well, we're excited for all of them, to be honest. <laughs> if you're going to have an interview <laughs> with us, we're excited for it. Uh, we have at least three that I've talked about uh, with Michael, so – Watch out for that. Uh, We've got more baseball talk. We've got those power rankings coming out every Monday morning out on YouTube. So, again, go subscribe to us on YouTube at Barrels and Barrels Pod. Instagram at Barrels and Barrels. Facebook at Barrels and Barrels Pod. Twitter, Barrels and Barrels. TikTok at Barrels and Barrels Pod. You can email us, barrelsandbarrels at gmail.com. And we're also on Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, Amazon, Google, and iHeartRadio Podcasts. Please rate us, review us, hit the subscribe button. Then unsubscribe, then resubscribe, then unsubscribe, then resubscribe, then unsubscribe, then resubscribe. That maybe we'll just start to jump up the charts in some of those baseball podcasts. But uh, we appreciate all the support we've been getting. I can tell you what, Michael, the last couple of weeks has been really fun. Yeah. Support from our viewers, our listeners. Um, thank you. Thank you all. Yeah. Uh, it's it, the interaction. I know we have we have a solid um a solid interaction of folks that that makes it even more fun not only do you not only following but then interacting with us and letting us uh poo-poo on any of your opinions i mean um (laughs) um, uh interact with your opinions uh it's it's fantastic it makes it fun yeah and i love makes me want to put together notes hardcore notes for you Michael's guys. been going full hardcore notes. He actually looked up the number 33 this week. I did. Look at this. I got a leather-bound book for my notes here. Look at that. Does your apartment smell of rich mahogany? <laughs> Is that a quote or something? <laughs> why, why would you mention an apartment? You've never seen that movie? Come on. You said a leather-bound book, and it's a Ron Burgundy quote. He goes, I have many leather-bound books in my apartment. Smells of rich mahogany. Anger man. Anchorman, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's, that's I don't. I haven't seen it enough for the quotes. 
Oh, all I know God. is, all I know is, Anchorman came out when when I was in in middle school. Middle school, early. Yeah, I was in early school. high school. You may have been okay. fifth grade. No, you, okay. You so may anyways, have been fifth grade. I think I was it, in seventh or eighth. That was so. just by the time Facebook came around, though, or like a couple Facebook early. Facebook came out in like 06. And I remember, Anchorman came out, and there's the song Dixieland Delight. You know, yeah, right. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what that meant. And oh, I yeah, remember, I didn't know what that meant. And I remember just posting that on Facebook, Dixieland Delight. Yep. And my sister Sex. reached out to me like, <laughs> and I was I was in middle school or like late middle school. My sister coming over to me like, what the hell are you posting on that for? You know what that means? I'm like, no, it's just from Anchorman, isn't it? She goes, no, take it down. <laughs> well, you have reached the point of barrels and barrels after dark and after pours because we've had several higher proof pours uh, in the last hour and a half. And thank you for sticking with us for probably an hour and 45 minutes at this point. I'll find out after I edit this, but it's been a longer episode. So thank you folks for joining in with us. This has been episode 33, the Larry Walker episode. Thank you to everyone who's joined in. Thank you to our non-existent sponsors. And thank you to Michael Burns for giving us (laughs) your time and uh, giving us your effort, man. I love it. Let's go. I didn't ask you that or something. I don't know what uh, happened there. Uh, I didn't ask you if you wanted anything for our friends, families, and viewers. Let's go. For those of you who didn't notice, he just opened the bottle with his teeth. Have a good day. <laughs>